In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Have you ever had one of those days where you just weren't acting like yourself? Maybe there was something or someone who made you grumpier than usual. Maybe you didn't get a very good night's sleep, or you got a bad review at work, or your favorite team lost. When you're having a day like that, someone who loves you might speak up, hopefully gently and lovingly, and say, you know, you're just not acting like yourself today. And because that person loves you and they know you well, they can tell when the way you're acting, what you're doing, isn't really lining up with your real nature as a human being. And it is important to be true to ourselves, to show with our actions who we really are. Once I was attending a conference in a very tiny town called Savannah, Illinois, on the Mississippi River. It was one of those Midwestern towns where cows outnumber people about 10 to 1. And during the lunch break, I decided to walk to the cafe in downtown Savannah. And sitting on the counter was the weekly local village newspaper. And this is how small the town is. This was front page, above the fold news in Savannah. Local couple celebrates 40th anniversary. Now, how do you think they celebrated their big anniversary? Do you think they went on a fancy cruise or threw an elaborate banquet? I smiled as I read the article and the husband said they were planning to celebrate their 40th by milking their cows and monitoring their calving barn. Now that is being true to who you are. It's being yourself. And I'm sure we all know people who go to the other side of the spectrum too. They're fakers. They try to pretend to be something or someone they're not. Those people are really hard to trust. It's important to let the world see who you really are, what your nature is by the things you do. And that is what our triune God always does. He always shows you who he is with what he does. And the thing about the triune God is he never has a bad day. He never has a day where he goes off kilter and is untrue to himself with what he does. And on this Trinity Sunday, our triune God who defines himself as love. He shows us that's who he is with the loving works that he does for us. This is the truth that Jesus explains in today's gospel to a man named Nicodemus. Nicodemus comes to speak to Jesus in the middle of the night. And a lot of people like to guess at why Nicodemus comes to Jesus in the middle of the night. We really don't know and it's really not worth guessing, but it is worth noting how Jesus treats Nicodemus when Nicodemus comes to him in the middle of the night. Because Nicodemus is one of these people who kind of considers himself an expert, a spiritual expert, and it turns out he's closer to the side of a spiritual dunce. And he's also a member of this group called the Pharisees that already at this early stage in Jesus' ministry, they're already starting to hate his guts. When this man, Nicodemus of the Pharisees, comes to Jesus in the middle of the night, how does Jesus react? He receives him. He speaks to him. He carefully explains things to him. Now, even before Jesus starts explaining the loving works of the triune God, do we already get a hint of God's love for people just in the way Jesus treats this man who he really should be considering an enemy? Now, when they do start speaking... Nicodemus is the first to talk, and he says, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, 
For no one can do these miraculous signs you are doing unless God is with him. And again, there are a lot of guesses about why Nicodemus says these things to Jesus. And again, we don't know. But what we can look at is the content of what Nicodemus says. And when we do, we see it's all true. Jesus does come from God. And he does do miraculous signs because God is with him. However, Nicodemus's knowledge of who this God is that Jesus comes from, his understanding of God is incomplete. And that is why Jesus cuts through the niceties pretty quick. And he cuts right to the chase because he wants Nicodemus to understand who the true God is and what he is like. So right away, Jesus says, amen, amen, I tell you. Unless someone is born from above, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Now when we list the members of the Trinity, usually we do it in this order, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. As Jesus is going to explain the loving work of the Trinity to Nicodemus, he's going to work in kind of the reverse order. He's going to go Spirit, Son, Father. So he's starting here with the loving work of the Holy Spirit, which is to give sinners a new birth, a second birth from above. Now, when you were born the first time from your mother, your physical birth, your birth below, and then the Holy Spirit gave you a second birth from above when he gave you faith in Jesus, and that second birth from above was something you desperately needed. You needed that new birth of the Holy Spirit because, and please brace yourself now because I'm about to say something bad about your mom, and I know there are a lot of people who are very peaceful, kind people. They only get violent if you say something bad about their mothers, but I have to do this. When your mother gave birth to you, she was sinful, and she passed that sin on to you. And don't charge the chancellor and slap me or anything like that. This is not my idea. This is what Jesus is saying. Whatever is born of the flesh is flesh. In the Bible, the flesh is the sinful flesh. That's what your mom had when she gave birth to you, and that's what she passed on to you from your mother and your father. But now, watch the loving work of the Holy Spirit. Whatever is born of the Spirit is spirit. The Holy Spirit gave you a second birth, a birth from above, when he gave you faith in Jesus. And what amazing love that is from the Holy Spirit, because without that second birth of faith in your Savior, there is no way that you could ever see or enter the kingdom of God. Unless someone is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. But you can enter the kingdom of God. And you will enter and see the kingdom of God because in love, the Holy Spirit worked to give you faith in Jesus and to give you a second birth. And that birth was all his choice. Now, when you were born the first time physically, nobody asked for your input on that. Nobody asked, what do you want your birthday to be? Would you like to be born into a rich family? Where would you like to be born? What kind of social status would you like to have? In fact, if you'll recall, nobody even asked if you wanted to be born at all. It just happened to you because of the actions of other people. And that's the way it is with the second birth of faith, too. It's the decision, and it is the work of the Holy Spirit. The wind blows where it pleases. You hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone who is born 
from the Spirit. Why did you receive that birth from above to enter and to see the kingdom of God? Because the Holy Spirit was pleased to give it to you. He was pleased to work faith in Jesus in your heart through the waters of baptism and the gospel of your Savior. Now that leads to the question, why does a birth into Jesus Christ get you into the kingdom of God and enable you to see it? What is it about that birth that opens up the kingdom of heaven to you? And now we see the love that the Son has shown you with his work. No one has ever ascended into heaven except the one who descended from heaven, the Son of Man who is in heaven. Now the point of this statement is confusing to a lot of people, and I don't think it really needs to be that confusing. Jesus is making the point here that he is just as much God as the Father and the Holy Spirit. See, in Jesus' world, a lot of people believed that people became gods or demigods in time. Sometimes they got to become a god because they achieved some great feat, and that was their reward. But in other stories, people went up to heaven, and they actually became gods. And Jesus says it doesn't work that way. People don't go up to heaven and become God. However, it does work in reverse. God came down from heaven and became a human being. The second person of the Trinity came on and took on our human flesh, and he took on our humanity. And why? Why would God do such a thing? Why would God give up the glory of heaven, surrender the glory of heaven, and come down into this world and become one of us? Because he had in mind a loving work. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, so that everyone who believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Now, Jesus is referencing here a story from the Old Testament when the Israelites were wandering in the wilderness and they started moaning and groaning against the Lord and against their leader Moses. And finally the Lord had enough and he disciplined them severely by sending poisonous snakes among the Israelites. Now once they were snake bit and the venom was coursing through their veins, then they were sorry once they started dropping dead. And they cried out to the Lord for relief, for life. And the Lord commanded Moses to lift up a bronze snake on a pole, and he promised that anyone who looked at that pole in faith would be cured of their poison and receive their life again. And that is basically why our Savior Jesus gave up the glory of heaven and came down to this world to do that on a much larger and much more important scale. Because sin is the poison that is coursing through our veins. And if it is not cured, it kills. It kills body and soul forever in hell. But when Jesus, the Son of God, came down from heaven and became one of us, he did it without sin because he was conceived by the Holy Spirit in the Virgin Mary. And then Jesus lived his whole life without any sin at all, without grumbling or complaining or doing anything else against God's will. It is a holy life that we receive through faith. And at the end of that holy life, Jesus was raised up on the cross to bleed and die to take the punishment for our sins. And now everyone who looks at Jesus in faith, and again, that's the work of the Holy Spirit, the second birth, but everybody who looks at Jesus in faith is cured of their sin, and they get life. Life forever. Body and soul in heaven. It is 
amazing love that the triune God has shown to us. The love of the Holy Spirit to give us birth into Jesus Christ. The love of the Son to come down and be lifted up to take away our sins. It is great love that the triune God has shown for us. But still we could be left with the question, why? Why did Jesus show us so much love to come down and be lifted up for our sins? Why has the Holy Spirit worked that birth from above? It is because God the Father, in love, sent them both to do that work. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. God so loved the world. And it's very important for us to understand that little phrase correctly. It doesn't mean here that God loved the world lots and lots and lots. Of course, God the Father does love the world lots and lots. There's like a million Bible passages that say that. This just isn't one of them. In this Bible passage, when it says God so loved the world, it means more like this. God loved the world, and so he showed it by doing this. God had such love for the world that it moved him to send his son into this world out of that mission to live and die for us, to save us. God's love for this world was such that it moved him to send the Holy Spirit into our hearts so that we are among whoever believes. And because we are whoever believes, we will not perish, but have eternal life. The mathematics in the Bible is often not a lot like human mathematics, like we learn in school. There's a lot of examples of this. Uh, one is marriage. The Bible says when man and a woman come together in marriage, they are no longer two but one. That's very confusing to me. Because when I look at you married couples, I still see two people. I see a man and a woman. But God says when he looks at you, he sees one at the same time. That's mind-blowing. Another one is like the Holy Christian Church. You have millions, billions of people who believe in Jesus here on earth and in heaven. And Jesus says they are one flock with one shepherd. It's amazing when you think about all the diversity of all the different people who believe in Jesus. And they all come together in a unified flock. The Trinity, though... When it comes to confusing math in the Bible, the Trinity is on a whole other level. Because the Bible presents God as one. Again, there's like a million Bible passages that say there's one God. But then it also presents them at the same time as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, distinct and separate. And that is a truth that there's no way you can ever fully understand it or explain it. It's a truth you can only believe because the Spirit gives you faith to believe it. But if all the Trinity was, was confusing, nobody would bother with it. They would just say, I don't get that, and turn away from it. But the Holy Spirit is not just confusing, the Holy Spirit is pure love. And it is the love of the Trinity that the Spirit uses to call us to faith in the triune God. Pure love of the Son who came down from heaven to be lifted up for our sins. The love of the Spirit to give us birth from above, and the love of the Father to send them both to save us. See the love of your triune God. See it, believe it, and love him back. Amen.